is good. Um, we're going to open up to Matthew chapter 8. They're going to have it on the screens, but if you have your Bible, that would be awesome to open it up and read it with us. Matthew chapter 8, verse 18 to 27. It's a lengthy passage of scripture, but it's good. Amen. It says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And then verse 23 says, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Amen. So I want to talk a little bit about the journey of a disciple. Amen. The journey of a disciple. So if we can just close our eyes and bow our heads and let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this moment and day and time, God, that you have orchestrated and ordained for today. God, I pray that you speak to us today, God. Open our hearts and open our ears to receive your word, God. And touch my lips to convey your word with clarity and with understanding, God. And open the hearts for them to receive the word, God, because we need you today. We want to be a disciple. We need to understand, oh God, what is the journey of a disciple to help us have better understanding, oh God. And I walk after you, so speak to us. Us. Have your way with us, God. Touch our lives. Transform us, God, that we'll never be the same after today. But let us grow in our faith in you, oh God. Have your way in the name of Jesus, we pray. And we all say amen. So if you see here, you can go ahead and take your seats, by the way. If you see on the two, these two passages of scripture, I call them two scenes or two events that's happening. And, the, you know, and the, some of your Bibles will block it out and say like a phrase to show you that this is a passage or an event. And then a new phrase to show you it's a different event or a different scene that's going on. So in here there's two events, but that I see them as tied together. Amen. And we'll see that as we look at it. So the first scene is called the cost of a disciple. And then the second scene is the storm. Jesus calms the storm. But if you notice here on the first, the first set of event, the first passage, is talking about the cost of a disciple. He's really laying down, this is, this is what it's going to cost you. This is the price it is to be a disciple. You know, he's, they're asking him, I want to follow. He's like, okay, the foxes have dens, the birds have a nest, but I have nowhere to lay my head. Saying, it's going to be a hard walk. I don't, have, I don't know where I'm going to stay. I don't know what I'm going to eat. I don't know what I'm going to, like, be next to tomorrow. You know, this is just, I'm a foreigner. I'm a stranger. I'm just walking. I don't have a specific place. So it's, it's a cost. He's telling them, if you're going to follow me, you kind of have to walk away from everything you have and follow me and, know, and not know where you're going, not know what you're going to do. Amen? And then he goes on. The other one says, well, let me just go bury my dad first, my, the, the dead and my parents and all. And he's like, no, 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 no. If you're going to follow me, let the spiritually dead bury the spiritually dead. you got to follow me. And that means you're going to do it now. 
There's no time to wait and think about it. He says, it's now or not. It's now or never. Amen? And so with that, he's kind of hitting it hard saying, I'm letting you know up front that it's not easy. That it's not going to be an easy road. It's not going to be a bed of roses. Okay, so you're going to have some valleys with your mountains. You're going to have some sadness with your joy. You're going to have some struggles with your blessings. It's not an easy road. Yes, you're going to have some good days. You're going to have some awesome days. But you're also going to have some low days. And a lot of the time you will have low days. Amen. And he's just trying to let them know up front what they're getting themselves into. Because he's not a God that's going to be all mysterious and say, I'm going to trick you. you know? No, I'm going to be straight up with you and tell you what you're getting yourself into. So when you make the decision, you won't leave. You'll stay with it. And if you go to John 16, verse 33, it says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you, will have, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So again, he's just showing us that we're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations in this journey. Of being a disciple, of walking with God. It's not an easy road. And I'm going to repeat that quite a bit because I really want you to understand the journey of a disciple. Amen. It's not an easy thing. And he says, but in me you'll have peace. So don't worry. He kind of threw that out there too. He said, yes, you're going to have some tribulations. But if you stick it out with me, you're going to have peace. That's going to take you throughout all of those ups and downs. And you're going to be walking like if you were just walking on water. Because he says, when you have me. Amen. And then if you go to Matthew 24, verse 13, it says, But he shall endure, but he that shall endure or stands firm until the end, the same shall be saved. So again, he's saying, But if you endure these things, you endure the hardships of being a disciple, you will be saved. You're going to make it in the end. He's giving us the promise, saying, You have what it takes if you just endure it. With me. But remember, I have peace with me when you come with me. And then I go to Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul is anything worth more than your soul so I right, he's saying it again if you're gonna follow me you gotta pick up that cross you gotta let go of your your way your way of living your desires your passions your thoughts and say I want to follow you your desires your passions your love what you want but taking up the cross is a signal is a, a, a signal of death a symbol of death, right? Because you're picking up your cross. That's what Jesus did. He picked up his cross and he walked to his death. So he's saying when you pick up your cross, you're saying I'm dying to this world. I'm dying to everything of it. This lustful, lustfulness of this flesh and the worldly passions and pleasures. You're saying I'm dying to it. Okay, so I'm trying to give you understanding of what it is to be a disciple so you can better understand this journey. But he said, if you don't, if you try to hang on to it, you'll lose it. So in the end, if you try to say, you know what, forget this, I'm not going to do it. He's already telling us, though, if you even try to hang on to your life and say, never mind, I won't be a disciple. He said, you're going to lose your life anyways. This is like, no, he left you with, like, no choice but to follow him, to be a disciple. Because if you don't, you have, your end result is still not going to be good. So he's saying, just do it anyways. It's worth it. Amen. Because I love when it said, what would you benefit? Again, what would you benefit if you gained the whole world? What do you get from it? Nothing. 
Right? Some people say, you know what, I'm going to go live the life. I'm gonna, I want to enjoy myself. I don't want trials. I don't want storms in my life. I don't want all that ups and downs. I just want to have fun. He's all, but, but that's not even worth your soul because you can enjoy life now. But in the end, one day, we're all going to face Jesus face to face. That's just it. There's no getting around it. And he's either going to say, okay, you love the world more than me. Then, sorry, you got to go to one place that nobody likes to talk about. Nobody likes to hear and it's a four-letter word, amen. It's called hell. And you're going to go there. That place is torturous. That place is full of agony and pain. And that doesn't end. That's for all eternity. You, you can't even comprehend what that means. Like, so it's like saying, you're going to, you rather try to live your life here that's temporary and then lose your soul that's going to be nothing but pain and storms and agony and pain for all eternity. Or you can just endure some trials and pains with me and you're going to have the best life ever in the end. Amen. Because if we follow Jesus, guess what? You're going to see miracles. You'll see signs and wonders. Yes, you're going to have those downs and valleys, but you're going to see things that nobody else gets to see, those supernatural things. And not only that, but you get to go and see somebody get saved. You get to be a part of somebody getting baptized. Someone get the Holy Ghost. Those things are powerful. So, yes, we're going to have trials, but yet you're going to see some things that are just mind-blowing. Amen. And the greatest one of all is that one day if you continue on the disciple, on the journey of a disciple, you know what's going to happen? You're going to see the pearly gates. You're going to see the streets of gold. And then you're going to see Jesus standing there with his arms open. You're going to see his face and be able to say, my God, this is the moment that I've been waiting for. When Jesus begins to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in and let me show you all the revelations that I've hid because you were not ready to receive it. Let me open up my chambers and come into the secret parts of me and see everything that you've always dreamed of. To answer every question that you ever thought of. That's what I want to see. That's worth it to me to be a disciple. I, I know this journey is not going to be very good and pleasant all the time. But I know that if I endure, I'm going to see Jesus. And that's the whole purpose of all of this. Is I want to see my maker. I want to see him face to face. That alone right there helps me to say, God, whatever it costs, I'm willing to do it. Whatever I got to give up, I'm willing to give it up. Whatever I got to let go, I'm going to let it go. I don't care if it seems mundane. I don't care if it seems so innocent. It, like, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't affect me or it's not a heaven or hell issue. I don't care. If it displeases you, then it displeases me. If you want something, I want it too. I'm not looking for an easy way, surface level. We got to encourage you. The journey is perfect. Don't let anything hinder you. Don't let the distractions, don't let things of this world or things of pleasure just say, but, but I kind of want to do this, but I don't really want to let go of that. Don't let that hinder your outcome of your eternal life. Just say, you know what, God? You know, if I keep my eyes fixed on you, then I can realize this is nothing compared to the glory I'll get to experience. This little thing is nothing worth fighting for or dying for. To, I want to see Christ. I want to be in heaven. I want to be in paradise. I want the good, the blessings of God. Amen. And then he switches to the next scene, the next event, which goes into, starts like this in verse 23. It says, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. And it hit me right there. He gave the cost of the discipleship. He said, this is what it's going to cost you. This is the toughness of it. And then 
he went on the journey. And guess what? The disciples followed him. It's almost like the beginning of the now, the journey of a disciple. Now he's giving us an illustration right here with real people showing us, readers, later on, look what it, look what it costs that you just read that it's going to cost you. And now I'm going to give you a glimpse of a cost that, it's gonna, that you're going to go through as a disciple. And it was a teaching for them as well. And so he got in the boat. His disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake. Suddenly. I love that word. Suddenly. It just means boom, just out of nowhere. You weren't expecting it. It's just suddenly. So that tells me when you start following God, it can happen right when you make up that mind. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And then suddenly, here comes a storm. Suddenly, here comes a trial. Suddenly, here comes some issues and problems in your life. You're going to make a decision. I'm going to get baptized today because I want to follow Jesus. And then all of a sudden, I got a car accident. All of a sudden, oh, my brother called me. I got to go pick him up or do something. All of a sudden, there's something that comes into your life when you decide to follow Jesus. That's part of the journey. When you make up your mind, I'm going to walk this walk, you got to expect sudden, suddenly storms are going to come. Out of nowhere, you're going to face storms, trials, tribulations. Not just when you start, but all along the journey. He's already given us a hint. They're going to be suddenly that means they're not going to be some flashing lights telling you, hey, guess what? A storm's coming or a trial's coming. Get ready. No, it's just you're going to be walking, getting up the next day, taking the next step, and all of a sudden here comes, bam, a trial, a tribulation. Amen? That's just the way it is. That's called the journey of a di- disciple. And then not only just a suddenly, a furious, it says a furious storm. So it's not just a storm, right? There's one thing, my tie gets flat. That's easy. I'll just go air it up, change the tire. But it's another thing when you get in a total car wreck and your car is destroyed. Now how are you going to get from point A to point B? Now you got to go buy another car. That's cost a lot of money. So there's different storms. And it said it's a furious storm. That means it was a devastating storm. And if you look at what happened, it says so that the waves swept over the boat. Meaning it was getting into their lives. So I encourage us, we're going to go through some storms, but it's going to be some crazy storms. And it's going to affect you. It's going to get into your life, into your boat. It's going to get into your family and your relationships and your work and your finances. It's going to cause some big problems, not little problems like I just stubbed my toe. Ouch, that's a storm. My God, help me. I can't do this discipleship thing. No, it's going to be something like, man, I got shot. Ah, You know, like it's something, something big. It's not something easy. It's a furious storm. And they got hit with it. Amen. But I encourage you, if you're going into those storms, just stick it out. Like Jesus said, endure and you will be saved. In the end, it's, that's what matters. Amen. So just letting you know, there is some storms. There is some trials. And then check this out. But Jesus was sleeping. He was silent. He was sleeping. He wasn't there. It's like, what, what's going on? We're, we're in this boat. We're dying over here. He's sleeping. And it says, the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. It's like, what? They're, say, they're over here like, Jesus, don't you see like the boat is sinking? Our lives are on the line. There's nowhere to go. We're like literally in the middle of this lake. What are we going to do? Wake up. Save us. We're drowning. The water's coming up to our necks. So if I can encourage you, that's what's going to happen in our lives, amen. We're going to feel like when those storms come, those trials come, we're going to feel like, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, I don't see you. I don't feel you like I used to feel you. I'm not hearing you as clear as I was. Are you there? Are you sleeping? 
And we're going to run to him and say, Lord, help us, save us. My, my, my parents are dying over here with sickness and cancer. My, my, my job, I'm about to lose it. My finances are just going empty. Jesus, don't you see me? Don't you see where I'm at? Don't you care about my pain? Don't you care about my hurting? Where are you at? Jesus, save me. I'm about to drown. I'm about to die. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no, nothing left. I'm just, I'm about to drown. Like, God, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to continue on this journey of being a disciple. Maybe I'll just sit back and just say, you know what, I'll go to church on Sunday. I'll just pay my tithes, but that's it. I'm not going to do anything more because it's getting too difficult. It's getting too hard. I don't even know what to do anymore. Amen. That's, that's what it's saying. It's like, help us. But I encourage you, hold on, hold on, and stay on that lowly road because in the end, God is going to show up and he's going to take you right through the storm, amen. And guess what? Guess what? If you look at the beginning on verse 23, it said, he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. He was in the boat already before the disciples got in the boat. Meaning he was already in the storm before the disciples were ever going to get into the storm. So, that the, so Jesus is in your storm before you ever get into your storm. He's already ahead of you. And that's why if you know anything about your God, you know that he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's in the past. He's in the present. He's in the future. So when you're in your storm, guess what? He's in the storm and he's out, out of the storm in the future. So he knows the outcome. He already knows what you're going to get through. Amen? It reminds me of Job. Job didn't know what's going on. Job was just like, oh, my God, help me. I'm going to die. Oh, I regret living. God just killed me, struck me down. And then what did Jesus do at the end? He already knew. God already knew. I'm going to multiply you and double everything you have. You just got to get through the storm. I know what's going to come out in the end because I'm there already. And I'm willing to bless you. I'm willing to take care of it. I'm willing to save you from your trials. Amen? So just remember that he was in it first. And that gives me so much encouragement to know no matter what I face, he's already there before I was already, before I get there. And so I can hold on. And then he replied, this is the, this is the, like, the central focus right here in verse 26. It says, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? He said, why are you so afraid? Why are you fearful? That the boat is sinking. Why are you scared about your life? Then I say later on, well, he didn't say it yet, but it's a couple chapters later. He's going to re relate it to him. If you follow me, you're going to go through some struggles. Amen. We read it earlier. It said, you got to pick up your cross and follow me. Don't lose your life. Give it to me. And you'll be my disciple and you're going to be blessed. Amen. But he's over here saying, why are you afraid? I'm in the boat with you. I'm right there. Why are you being so fearful? You know I'm going to die with you if you die. Like, come on. And not only that, but it hit me. He's like, if you just read the passages beforehand, he's like, why, am I, why are you afraid? Didn't you see me when the satirian Roman soldier came up and said, just speak the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. And I spoke it, and your, the servant was healed. Don't you remember that? And, he's like, and, and then after that, don't you remember when we were at Peter's mother's house and she was laying sick and we were just eating and having a good time, laughing, but I just touched her and she got up completely whole? Weren't you there? Didn't you see that? Why are you afraid? 
And also, weren't you there when the multitudes came and surrounded us with all bunch of sicknesses and diseases and people with demon possession? And you saw me just speak the word and it all was done? I touched them and they were healed? We just did that. Didn't you not see it? Why are you afraid? And I want to encourage us with that. Because when we go through our storms, we have to remember those markers that God said, why are you afraid now? Remember what I did for you back then? Remember that experience you were going through and I stepped in and I helped you? Remember that? Remember when I healed you? Remember when I delivered you? He's like, why are you being afraid? You've got to remember these things that already happened to encourage you, to strengthen you. That's why we got to grow on our journey. We got to grow in our faith. But I want to go to this, the, the, the previous before, are you so afraid? It says, you of little faith. Little faith. To me, it's like, wow, that's pretty awesome. You're telling me I have little faith. That's very encouraging. I'm excited now because I have little faith. I'm in a storm. I'm in some, in some troubles. I'm in some agony. And I'm struggling. And yet, I have little faith. Like, thank you, Jesus. Like, that really encourages me in my storm. Right? That's what they could be thinking. Like, really, God? Like, you see us, like, about to die. And you're telling me I have little faith. I can't walk on water like you. Right? But here's some encouragement about the little faith that I never caught till when I read it. It says, then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves. And it was completely calm. He did that based on their little faith. So he's saying, just because you have little faith, don't get discouraged. That's enough for me to come into your situation and heal it. That's enough for me to step on the scene and change everything. And not only that, but it says completely calmed. So he doesn't just come in and half work. Let me do half healing to you. Let me just kind of help you a little bit out of that storm. No, he says, I'm going to get you completely out of it. You're going to be completely gone through it and get out with blessings in your hands. Amen. Like, that's awesome. I'm like, wow. All based on my little faith. So don't discourage. Don't look down on someone who has little faith. Because we all start somewhere. We all have a little faith to begin with. And that's called the journey of a disciple. When you start your walk, you're going to start with little faith. But the goal is not to stay in the little faith. It's to progress and to get to great faith. Amen. And so, yes, he healed. Yes, he stopped the storm with the little faith. But he didn't just do it because of your little faith. He did it to show you or to show the disciples, I'm God. That's why I stepped in the scene. To show you who I am. To show you the power that I have. So that your faith will not stay little. But now grow because you just experienced my power in your own life. Yes, I know you saw the Roman soldier serving. I know you saw Peter's mom. I know you saw all the other people. But now experience it for yourself in your own storm. Now your faith can grow. Because now you're experiencing me. And that's what we have to do. We got to experience him. We got to get closer to him. We got to grow and build up our faith, which is building our relationship with him. And then we'll be able to say, wow, I know my God. I can have more faith now, not just a little faith. Okay, so he's trying to show us that. Don't just stay there. I'm trying to take you further. Now check this out. In Genesis 1-2, it 
This is, what, this is how he was showing himself as God. In Genesis 1-2, it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And then guess what? He started creating. Right? So let there be light. And then he started working with the water. He started separating the water from the water from above, from the water from below. And then he created the earth and separated the waters from the earth and put boundaries and then put life in it. Fish. Amen? And I'm getting all that to tell you because those words, when you look them up, they're actually talking about disorder and chaos and lifelessness and functionless. So if you think about that, God was, Jesus was showing, I'm the same God that created it all from the beginning. Because I'm on the water and I'm telling the water to stop. I'm putting order into this. When you see a storm, that's not order. That's, not, that's chaos. That's disorder. So when he was talking to the disciples who should know the Bible, he's walking on the scene saying, I rebuke you. Stop. So he's saying, I'm God in the beginning when I told the waters, you stop right there and you hold yourself right there. And I put order into your chaos and I put life into you because you were functionless at first. Amen. Did you catch that? I don't know if you caught that. So what that means is in your storm, when you're going through your trial and tribulation, God is saying, listen up. I know you got disordered right now. I know you got some chaos going on, but I'm coming in to stop that chaos. I'm coming in to put order into that disorder. I'm coming in to put function in you. What does that mean to put function in me? It means I'm here to give you purpose. So through that storm, you're going to have more purpose in your life. Because through that storm, you're going to have a testimony to share. With that storm, you're going to be able to tell someone else about what God did for you. Now you become full of purpose. Now you have a reason to say, God, thank you for that storm. Because now my faith has grown as well. Now I'm stronger in you. Now I believe in you. I trust in you. And now I get to go take this to someone out there and share it with them and say, look it. My God did this for me. He can do this for you. You got disorder? Well, my God will put order into that. You got some dysfunction going on? God says, I can put function back into that. Amen. That's the God I serve right there. And the thing is, he does that because he loves us too much to stop us and say, just stay there. You have a little foot? That's good. Little faith is good for you. I think you need little faith. You can get greater faith, but you, you, you keep that. No, he's like, I don't want you to stay in little faith. I don't want nobody to stay in little faith. I want everyone to grow and be transformed. That's why in Romans 1.17, Paul said, God, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So if you want to live right and be right with God, we got to live it by faith. But not a one-time faith. It's a developing faith. It's going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. we got to grow. we got to mature on this journey. You can't just walk into the journey and say, all right, I got a little faith. I'm good. I'm going to check out now and just cruise control. He said, no, no, no. You need to be growing up. You need to be maturing up. And we'll, we'll get there right now. And then look at James 1, verse 2 to 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, they're going to come. He's saying it again. They're going to come. There's no getting out of it. Being a disciple costs a lot. Amen. But it's a beautiful thing. And so it says, when they come, consider it great joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So he's already telling us, the trials are for your faith. Because your faith needs to grow. It needs to develop. It needs to mature to great faith. A deep, intimate relationship with me. And guess what? This is how you know when you get there. You're going to be complete. You're going to be perfect. Perfect means mature. 
So he's going to be mature, complete, needing nothing. You know why? Because you're going to be able to walk through storms and trials and say, yeah, my God already did it before. He's going to do it again. I've got nothing to worry about. I'm going to walk in that peace. I'm mature. I'm complete. I know who my God is. I know that this is just a season. It's going to pass. I'm going to get through it. And nothing but goodness and blessings going to come my way anyways. So I'm going to endure because I want to make it to the end. And I already know my God is faithful. He's a faithful and a just God that will take care of me. Amen. So that's what that means. Like I want to be a mature. That's someone who has grown to great faith. They understand that now. They're like, yeah, I've been on this journey for a while. I've seen some ups and downs. Now I know I can just relax and trust in my God who's got everything under control. Amen. And I want to give you an illustration about this. You got the tabernacle. You got three parts, right? You got the outer court, the inner court, which is the holy place and the most holy place. Now you can look at it as faith. The outer core is a little faith. You're outside. you still got the world on you, around you. You can still see everything. You have the repentance. You have the water, the washing. And now guess what? Repentance is like that normal prayer. Everybody prays, right? No matter what kind of Christian you are, everyone knows, yes, I repent. You know, God, forgive me. I messed up. You know, those simple surface level prayers. But then it hit me when it seen the washing of the, of, the, of the word, right? That's what we learn about, the washing of the water of the word. Amen? That's the labor. But guess what? Water is liquid. And it took me back to Hebrews when it said, you are inexperienced and immature if you drink milk, which is a liquid. So if you just kind of put that together, I know it's not direct, but just think about it. If you're just always with the water of the washing, you're only on surface level. You're just reading the word just to try to clean you up and that's it. You're not going any deep. You're not getting no depth in you. Amen. And so that's a shallow end. And that's okay to start there. That's okay if you're in that right now. Because everybody starts in that place of little faith on the journey of a disciple. But you should be progressing to the inner court, which is now called the holy place, which is faith. Now, I just call that regular faith. Now you just, you have faith. You experienced some things. You grew in your relationship with God. You started praying more. You started reading the Bible more. And guess what? You're eating bread. It's a solid food. I know it's not meat, but it's solid. That's what meat is. It's solid. Now I'm eating some death. Now I'm actually getting some understanding. I'm not just reading it. Now I'm understanding it. I'm digging a little deeper. I'm spending a little more time to try to understand what's being spoken here. Not only that, but now you got the, the candle, right? That means I'm praying in the Holy Ghost now. Yeah, I may have got the Holy Ghost a couple times in the outer court, but now I'm really praying. Now I'm flowing in the Holy Ghost. I'm speaking in other tongues on a daily basis. I'm building that relationship with God. Amen. And then you go to that altar of incense. You know what that's doing? That's, that's lifting up some praise and worship to God. Not just a normal, oh, yeah, praise God, yeah, amen, hallelujah, jump, and, and all that, like the outer court. But this time, you're, it's deep. It's from within you. It's the altar of incense. It's a sweet smell unto God. That means you're giving it your all. You're, God, I love you. God, I worship you. God, I praise you. God, you're everything to me. What can I do without you? Oh, God, I want to give it my all. There's some passion into it. There's this love into it because you know who he is now. You're building that relationship. Your faith has grown. So you're not just like, yeah. Amen. You're like, yes, God, I believe that word. Oh, that song, you're a faithful God. I know you're a faithful God. You say, you're a miracle worker. Oh, yeah, I know you're a miracle worker. Right? An outer court person's like, yeah, he's a miracle worker. Amen. I believe it. Mm -hmm. But that inner court person's like, no, I know it. I've experienced him. I believe it with all my heart. Amen. But then we want to get to the most holy place. Now, this was cool when it hit me here, when the Lord dropped this into me. 
It's great faith. Now, that's the deep end. You're not in the shallow. You're not in the middle. You're in the deep waters. Now, check this out in the deep waters. Sorry, babe. I said check this out. Um, it's <laughs> you're intimate with Jesus here. This is the intimacy because this is now in the presence of the Almighty God. This is where His glory, Shekinah glory, will fall and it'll be like a cloud in the mercy seats there, right? That's the power of God. You're right there now, intimate with Him. And now look what happens when you get to that place of intimacy. This is the level of discipleship that you want to get to where you have this great faith now because you walk with God. You know Him. You know His voice. You know what He feels like. You know what His impressions are, His nudges to you are. You're just walking in that close spiritual side, people say, oh, you're too spiritual. You're like, no, I just walk with God, and he's a spirit, so yeah, I'm spiritual. But yeah, that's that place of intimacy. And not only that, but guess what? You end up taking that mercy seat with you now. You take the blood that was applied for your, your, your sins, you begin to take that out to the world around you, and you get this passion and say, let me tell you about my Jesus, because he's so merciful. He'll forgive you of your sins. Let me show you how to get the blood on your life. I'll baptize you in Jesus' name. So you start taking it out to the world, the mercy seat in the blood because you have such a deep relationship with them. You begin to have this passion where you're like, I just got to show somebody this love of Jesus. I got to help somebody get to where I'm at. Amen. And then you get the Holy Ghost, the glory, the cloud. You're in it. So guess what? You leave to the world and you should have that glory upon you. You're taking it with you now, not just leaving it there because you walk with him. You spend time with him in that prayer closet and then you get up and you walk out. People start looking. You're different. There's something about you because they're seeing the glory. They're getting drawn to you. They're looking at you and saying, you're not the same like us. And you begin to share with them. Yeah, let me tell you why. Because you have a love for God. Now you can help pray someone through the Holy Ghost because you have the glory of God upon you and in you to flow out of you. So this level, what am I talking about? The most holy place of a journey of a discipleship, this is when you become a disciple maker. You were a disciple the whole way, growing and building yourself up. But when you get to the most holy place, you in turn, that's why you go out there and start reaching the world. You start going out there and start preaching baptism. You go out there and start praying people through the Holy Ghost because you got a hold of God so much that he changed you. He transformed you now. You're no longer yourself. You truly picked up the cross. You truly walked to your death of this life and you truly denied yourself. And now you're saying, God, I want to do what you want, which is reach somebody else, which is save another soul. Bring somebody else along the journey of a disciple now. I want to go and teach somebody, pour into them, show them everything that I know and walk with them so when they go down and now they're starting this journey and they're going to go into a storm I'm going to come alongside them and say I've been there I know how to get through it uh, he's done it for me he'll do it for you just hang on with me I'll show you the way follow my steps and I'll lead you to become a mature disciple of Christ as well that's disciple making you get a passion for the loss you get a burden for souls and you begin to go and do it and that's is the goal of the disciple, your journey on your journey of a disciple. Amen. And then look at the last verse, verse 27. It says, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Mm. They were so amazed. Because when they got through the storm, they're like, wow, this God is amazing. Look what he can do. It built their faith. They begin to have a reverential fear of saying, wow, I believe. 
oh my God, my God. And it begins to stir up in you a hunger and a thirst for God. You begin to say, wow, if you can do that, what more can you do? What can I do? What what can you do with greater faith that I get? I want to draw closer to you now. I want to get to know you even more so, so I can see even greater things that you can do. I want the hunger. And then you begin to intimate with God. You begin to want that complete trusting and just, just giving yourself to him. I don't know how to put it in other words, but it's just this burden, this hunger inside that says, I want God no matter what it takes. And after you experience some storms, that's what's going to push you to grow because you're going to see how great he is. What's just going to say, okay, I want to go a little bit deeper now. And then when another storm comes, you've got to hold on and say, I know I've been through this already. Let's try it again. And then at the end of that one, you're going to go, man, I want more of God now. I'm going to go even deeper. It's a constant growing. That's why James said, rejoice when they come. Rejoice because it's going to only draw you closer and closer and closer to Jesus. And that's the ultimate goal. Amen. That's why he does what he does. That's why we go through trials and tribulations. It's for two, two reasons that I can point out. One is because he wants you to draw closer to him. When he steps aside and he's silent, like when Jesus was sleeping, he steps aside because he's trying to say, I want you to draw to me. That's the only way I'm going to get you to run to me. It's the only way I'm going to get you to finally hunger after me because you have a need. And so I'll step out and be quiet so you will run to me and pray. And when you do that, it starts to build up your faith because now you're praying. If you weren't, now you're seeking him. If you weren't, now you're in the word because you've got some problems and it starts building you up. God is so smart like that. He knows. I'll start with the need. That's fine because I know when you start praying and you start reading your Bible, you're going to start falling in love with me because that's just what I do. That's my word. That's what I do. I'm going to Grab a hold of your heart. And so he'll do that to get you to understand that you need a savior and you can't live without him. The other reason why he does that and steps aside sometimes is because he wants you to pull out things that are in you that need to get cut out, that need to die, that need to get destroyed. So he'll allow those trials to come in, step out and say, I'm going to let you bring to forth, to pass all of that anger, all of those bitterness, all that stuff that's inside you that needs to get cut out. So it comes to surface and you begin to realize, wow, I am so angry. Wow, I didn't realize how hurt I was, how offended I was. And then God can begin to deal with you because he can't deal with you if you don't acknowledge that you have an issue. Amen. He just can't. He's not going to force himself. So that's what he does. And now guess what? These are the disciples we're talking about. Well, if you look in the end, after the book of, uh, not after the book of Acts, but in the book of Acts, after the resurrection and ascension, guess what happened to the disciples? They grew from faith to faith because now they were fearless. They were out there preaching the gospel to every human being possible. They didn't care who you were or what you thought of them. They were out there sharing the message. They began to perform miracles, signs, and wonders. They were beginning to pray for people to get the Holy Ghost right there on the spot. They were making disciples of themselves. That's why they were multiplying so fast. They were giving their lives completely to Jesus. They endured every trial that came their way. They were enduring so much because they forsook everything of the world and follow Jesus to where they didn't know what they were going to eat the next day. You can read in 1 Corinthians 7, or Paul's just explaining, or, verse, or chapter 11, one of those two, he's talking about, man, I was in hunger, I was in thirsties, I was getting whipped like by 39 stripes like five times, I was beat, I was shipwrecked. He starts laying all these things that I went through. He's all, 
but I'm enduring it because I get to see what God does in me and through me. So it's nothing. It's nothing compared to that. They, they, took, they truly took up the cross. So I'm, I'm explaining that to you to show you how the disciples went from faith to faith to the point of they were willing to die. And they did. They were true disciples. They gave up their complete life. So I encourage us, if we continue to grow faith to faith, that's how we'll know when we're growing. We look at the disciples and the apostles, how they were after the resurrection. And we can see, okay, am I growing like that? Am I loving like that? Am I able to now go make disciples? Am I able to go teach somebody now? Do I have a burden and a hunger in me for the things of God? Or do I just want to come to church and just do my thing and go home? That tells me what level of faith I'm in. Am I really doing something for the kingdom or am I just doing something for me? I'm just coming here to get fed and that's it. Or am I trying to go out there and pour as much food as I can into somebody else? Or am I just looking for a position or an accolade and say, I'm just going to get in and try to do this without doing anything else? No, the disciples were like, I'm all in for Jesus. I can care less about anything and everything else. I'm willing to die for this. So I don't care if you acknowledge me or not. He's like, I don't care if you believe me or not. I'm going to preach this gospel no matter what. I'm going to reach whoever will listen to me because I love Jesus and I know him so much. Amen. So you can stand to your feet, and I'm going to read Romans 8, verse 35 to 39. The musicians could come. Romans 8, verse 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardships or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a journey of a disciple in a nutshell. We got a hunger and thirst for God to say, you know what? It don't matter anything in this world. I want to walk this journey. No matter how low I get, no matter the pains I get, no matter the offenses I get, no matter the, the slander I get, no matter the gossip I get, I'm still going to walk this journey. I'm still going to stay on this path. And I'm going to see Jesus face to face one day. So I encourage you. Press on. Become a true disciple of God. Don't just stay, stay for the mediocre and just come to church, but pursue to be a true disciple of God and endure the storms that come because he will get you through it. He already said it, and we have an example to read and see. He did it. If he did it for them, he'll do it for me. And let it build your faith. So I encourage you to come to this altar if you are in a storm. If you're facing some trials today, come with the faith that you do have. Because that's all that matters. He said a little faith is how you start. You come up with that and God can enter your presence and into your situation. And he will change it all up. Because that's the God that we serve. And then maybe you say, you know what, I don't have little faith. It don't matter. You come up because we still need to grow in our faith. We still need to grow in our relationship with God. So I encourage you, even if you're not in a storm, come up to say, God, help me to grow in my faith. Help me to grow in my relationship with you. Help me to go deeper with you, God. I want to get so close to you that I can have great faith and not waver and not be afraid of anything. But to stand in every trial, but to stand in every storm and walk through it. And see what great things you can do in my life and through me. So I encourage you to pursue.
And those of you that may have reached a great faith like the elders that have that faith, then you come alongside some of these, these people that don't have it and you pray with them and you encourage them and you strengthen them by your walk and by your lifestyle. And let's make disciples. That's the ultimate goal.